Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. We, uh, we claim to be a rather raw, honest podcast dealing with addiction and recovery, although because we're on an AM radio station as well as our podcast platforms, we try to keep the rawness down to a minimum. So no F words, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm Randall Carlisle. My, uh, my co-host is Nicole Slack. Hello again. Hi. You look sort of like the last time I saw you. No, I still haven't washed my hair. <laughs> she, she doesn't wash her hair, wears a hat, and I've worn the same outfit for three weeks yeah. now. So, you know, it's, it's getting rather stinky in here. Yeah. So our guest is Lacey. Can you smell us? Or, or no. Are we okay? <laughs> Y'all are good. Yeah. You're good. Do you want to enter? You, you ask Lacey to be a guest. Do you yeah. want to introduce her? Uh, this is Lacey. She works at the admissions office, and I just really admire her. And when I got to know her story about why she's in the field she's in, I thought her perspective would be great for this. Um, do you want to go ahead and, and tell and, us? And, and what I thought would be interesting is because most of the people that we have are people who are in recovery, mm-hmm. and you are not in recovery, but you work with a ton of people who are beginning recovery, right? Yes, uh, yes. Which is sort of an interesting way of looking at things. And, I, I, and I, first, I'm, Nicole asked you a, a really good question that we're going to get to, but, but when, what is it like? I mean, why would somebody, I guess this answers your question, why would somebody who's not in recovery work in, in recovery? Yeah, I actually have a deep passion for recovery and working with people in all stages of the recovery process and it stems back to my childhood so um, in high school I grew up with a mother addicted to crack and that was rough it was really really rough being um, the oldest I'm the oldest sibling and on top of that I was a young single mom so I had a child at 16 years old Um, And I was out of the house at 16, but I was still having to go back home and, you know, put groceries in the fridge for my little sisters and kind of just be the support for them when my mom was going through addiction because she would sit in the room all day long. And um, it was it was really hard to experience. And um, I just remember like constantly trying to kick the door down to get into my mother because, you know, status unknown of what was going on in there. And there was so much anger and so much stress. And I just wasn't knowledgeable at that time about addiction either. So it was just like, this isn't our mom. Like, why are you doing this? You know, my little sisters are at home and I'm a single mom, young mom. I'm trying to make it, but I'm having to support two households right now because of your addiction. And um, luckily, she eventually went into rehab after, you know, numerous times of us pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, But even at my graduation in 2008, at 18 years old, she was still actively using. And you can see in my graduation picture, she's just blank. She's gone. She's not, not the mom that we were used to, you know, growing up prior to the addiction. And that was the first part of like really experiencing that type of lifestyle. And I think it started to plant the seed of my passion into addiction. How long did you, how long was she in addiction that you dealt with her? 
at least all of my high school years. So I think at least two and a half to three years because it stemmed from around the time that I got pregnant and it went beyond my graduation. Wow. Yeah. So And then there was lots of mental health during the same time with addiction. So she did attempt suicide twice that I had to clean up because I was the oldest and didn't want, you know, my little sisters to experience any of that. <laughs> so that was very traumatic at the time. Wow. Yeah. And I think I graduated, like, how many years is that? 2008 is 15 years ago. And then I got into a relationship two years later with um, this guy named Jeremy. And he had been clean. I met him right at the time that he started to get clean. So during our relationship, he never actively used. Um, But it just so happened that he decided to relapse and passed away while we were together from an overdose. Mm. And so he was clean the whole entire time that we were together. And How long was that? A year. Okay. Yep, yep. So we had actually met outside the jail, but he was there visiting someone else. I was there visiting someone else. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so unattractive at first. <laughs> like, not, what, what? No, I don't want to meet anyone outside of the jail, you know? But he actually ended up being super amazing. He was a super good dad. He had a daughter, um, and her mother was in active addiction the whole entire time. We were together, so he had her the majority of the time. Um, He was really good to my child. Um, The night that he overdosed, he was actually watching my child, but I had just picked him up from his house um, because he had worked graveyards and he was tired and I worked. So I was like, I'm going to go shopping for a little while. Like I'll see you in a little bit. And an hour later he called me and he, he sounded like now that I look back, I I could tell that something was wrong, but I didn't pinpoint it at that time. Um, but he told me, he was just like, you know, I love you. Right. And I was like, yeah, go to sleep. You know, like, what are you doing? Why are you calling me right now? You're supposed to be sleeping. And an hour later, I tried to call him, and his mother's child answered the phone, which was very, very, like, not like him. And she's like, he's dead. And I'm like, what? Jeez. What are you, like, what are you talking mm. about? And I'm like, you're lying. Like, get, like, give his phone back, you know? And we hang up, and I call his sister, and she's sobbing. And I just knew right then and there that it was game over. It was done with. And so I was in the store, and I dropped to my knees, and I was screaming. Ooh. Cause I just like, what, I didn't know what happened. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't knowledgeable to how important continuing like a sober community and having your relapse plan in place and just really having people wrap their arms around you for being sober and continuing to keep those conversations going and awareness going. Like I didn't, I didn't even know about Narcan back then. You know, so it's like, and well, neither it was did relatively his family. new back then. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in your mind, like he quit and he's done, mm-hmm. and he's okay. Yeah, it never crossed the front of my mind again after that. Yeah. Because everything seemed so great. He was working. Family loved him. He was such a great personality, such a great dad. That you nothing look- seemed wrong yeah nothing seemed wrong when you look back now do you think you can see the relapse like where it started or is that insensitive sorry no no not insensitive at all I I can't like I can't see but I think if I would have been where I'm at right now you know in my position 
um, and just seeing hundreds of people come and go with an odyssey, I probably would have been like more, like it would have been on the table. Like we would have been talking, like what can we do to keep your sobriety? Like let's have Narcan around, let's train whoever is living with you around. Right. Um, and so he is really where my passion stemmed from, is him. Like this is why I do what I do, so I can try to help as many people as I possibly can. Was his opioid mm. death? Or? Yep, it okay. was heroin injection. Hmm. Yeah, and so the needle was right next to him when we found his body. So you, well, you, you have had without being addicted yourself. You've yeah. had, you know, your mom. And I'm curious when you were talking about that, uh, you talked to your mom occasionally. Say, Mom, why are you doing? What What did mm-hmm. she What did she tell you about why she was doing what she was doing? She never had an explanation during like during her active addiction. It was just like, leave me alone. And we would almost get into physical fights because it was just like I was so angry because this that's not what we grew up with as a young child and it's now what we're experiencing as teenagers. And so at the time my little sister, she was 16 because she's two years younger than me. And then my little, little sister was four. Jeez. Yeah, so. And you're taking care of your own baby. Yes, he was six months old. Yep, and I'm a, a, a single, I'm a teenager. I'm court ordered to be in a teen home because I did get into some trouble as a teenager before that. And from 16 to 18, I lived in a teen home, court ordered. And then 18, I got out and got my own apartment. And so I still had about six months in school until I was graduated from high school. And so during that time of being out was when I really had to step in at home for my siblings. Right. That, that's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Your own baby, your siblings, and, and a crack-addicted mom. Mm-hmm. I remember how I found out too. I went to go lay on her bed and I like put my arms into the pillow and I laid down and I smashed a, a glass pipe. Oh. And I was like, what was that? You know, and I pull it out and I'm like, this is weird. Like this is the first introduction to drug paraphernalia. Like, so I'm explaining it to a couple friends. Hey, there's, there's this metal spongy wire with this glass pipe. Like what is my mom doing? And so then it came to light and then just it trickled and trickled and trickled where she was like leaving all the time, staying in the room all the time with the doors locked, having random people over, you know, my sister having to really try to worry about who was in the household. Sure. Yeah. Boy, I, lot, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, stories like that, I would say I wouldn't have blamed you if you started using. That's what I'm saying. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like the odds were stacked against me yeah, to yeah. end up in that type of lifestyle, you know? And I and I you just, just have no interest, never had yeah, interest. Yeah, I never had an interest. I had more of an interest of helping the people who were in those type of situations. Because I've always been a people person. I've always wanted to help. I've always, like, you can call me on the drop of the dime and I'm there. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. That's just how my personality is. And so... When I've, I've seen friends throughout the years struggle, like I had a friend complete Odyssey probably seven years ago. And so that was when I kind of first got introduced to Odyssey as well um, and kind of how they worked. And then I've seen friends, you know, come and go through addictions, whether it was alcohol or hard drugs. And like I've always been exposed to it and I've just never personally, but I've been in the mix of it all. 
The uh, I don't know if you have any. You you can share stories, you, regardless of hip, just anecdotally about people that you run into. Um, you're one of the first people that somebody sees coming uh -huh. into the Odyssey program or trying to get into the Odyssey program. What do you do, and what strange things have occurred <laughs> while you've been here? So I've seen, so I've been here for nine months now. Okay. I was the first medical assistant in the permanent position within admissions. Right. Um, and so I see everyone who's coming to residential, outpatient, youth, whatever, like right. I see them all. And only maybe a handful that I can count have been really difficult to deal with the majority of them are super grateful even when they're not feeling good when they're withdrawing you know life has sucked so bad for them they burned every bridge up to this point they've been really kind in my office and i think what i do is i just make it like we're human you're a human i'm going to treat you how i would treat my loved one coming in to the program i have my you know lighting dimmed down i have some motivational things on the wall and i really just Soft keep music. it real <laughs> yeah yeah i had someone the other day she's like this doesn't even feel like a medical office i'm like that's the way i try to make it are we doing yoga or meditation yeah, right? or am i entering a treatment center yeah. <laughs> yeah so i really just try to keep it like personable and knowing that they have probably burned every bridge on the outside and that there is hope, you know, there's, there is opportunity for change and change can be scary because I get scared in, in change, you know, even though I haven't been in addiction, I can relate. I've been in trouble with the law. I've grown up around addiction. I've ha dated someone who overdosed, you know, so I can relate to them in that way, just not the actual recovery part for, for myself. I see with them like every day and I'm mm -hmm. always like, you're so happy all the time and you treat them so well and with like compassion um, instances where I'm like, I am not okay with that person going out of sight mm -hmm. in front of uh, admissions. I am not okay with that. And you guys are just in there like, it's okay. <laughs> we'll just test them again. Yep. It's okay. And I'm just like, mm, I don't <laughs> yeah. like that. They need to, yeah. if we say stay in sight, you have to stay. And you guys are like, it's okay. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, I mean, because because I don't know what it was like for you, but when I went into treatment programs, I, I, I mean, you're really vulnerable right then. You're scared out of your mind because you don't know what yeah. to expect, or you do know what to expect because you've done it three times. But you know, but it's a scary time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, and to come into like someone that just wants to talk to you, and she's just so easy to talk to, and. They have to tell her things that are not great. You know, mm -hmm. like, when was the last time you used? We need to know what you've used only for your safety. We don't care. And just the way she speaks is just amazing. I love I love them all. I'm like, these, these are my these are my kids. These are my people. You know, like, if I do your intake, like, I'm, I'm attached to you. And I'm rooting for you all the way through. So I love to get, like, back out into the houses so I can see, like, who's still there. And every time I go to the houses, they're just like, lazy. And I just, it feels so good to see the success. And it hurts. It hurts when people leave or when they I, have I was going to ask you, because when yeah. I first started working here and I'd do interviews with people or anything, I'd say, that person is really going to succeed. Yes. And they're perfect for, for recovery. And then I'd hear two weeks later they're gone or they overdosed or something mm -hmm. like that. And that's 
how do you deal with that? It's heartbreaking. Like yeah. I, I really feel the emotions and it, it honestly comes down to they're going to accept the help when they're ready for the help. And that's what I tell them all the time. I said, you have to want it for yourself. Like I am here to give you a leg up. I'm here to emotionally, you know, support you if you need some air to listen or if you need help within the house, like I'm here for that, but you have to want that. But it hurts. Like I just, I, I feel the hurt and I, I process it and then I just have to move on and just keep like not giving up. I think it fuels my passion even more. Cause I'm just like, there are so many people out there who, who do want the help and who will succeed. I mean, look at half of Odyssey staff, like y'all are, y'all are True. the ones who have continued to make it. And I, I think that helps me too, being around people who have gone through and our staff, cause it, it keeps that motivation. Like they do make it. They do make it like just just look around us, see how many people have actually made it. Do you think you can pre- honestly predict when you when you do an intake whether this person is going to make it or not? No, no, not at all. Because there will be the people where, like you, for instance, said like, oh, they're definitely going to make it, and they, you know, have the struggles and they have the relapses, or they leave and we don't ever know what happens from right. there. And then we have the ones who come in that are just like completely at rock bottom that that just don't seem like they'll make it and they're the ones who who nav out of the house. I agree. You know? So it's really cool to see. I act I also actually worked at a methadone clinic in the past. That's kind of how I got introduced as well to like the community. And I mean we had four hundred plus clients a day. And there was one that we absolutely loved. Like we loved him, you know, and he was clean and he was clean and he was clean and then and we're like, he's making it. Like, he is going to do it. We love him so much. And then he OD'd and passed away. And he had some good <clears throat> amount of sober time under his belt as well. And came in chipper every day and happy and conversated and, you know, talked about his friends passing away. And then it was just like one day that was it. So there is no, like, fortune telling with recovery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, addiction is it, or it, it's described as a... As a lifelong complicated mm-hmm. disease it is and and unfortunately i don't think anybody's really figured it out mm-hmm. i mean they know what happens physically and mentally but nobody's really like able to say this person's going to uh, you know succeed with yeah. with a treatment program or this person isn't or this person's going to die of an overdose i mean it's so hard to it's so hard to figure out yeah, when we're in the house, we have clients that leave, and then you just get word that they passed, and you're mm-hmm. just like, hey, you know, they left doing so well and had these great goals, and you just never really know how to you get yeah. used to it, I guess, which is awful, but yeah. you never know how to take it. Exactly. I think it just continues to just fuel, like, my passion because I just want to, like, I just want to help everyone. Like, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to take y'all, and we're going to do it, and we're going to get you through it. <laughs> How did you handle your boyfriend's death other than screaming in the store? It was awful, and I still have a hard time processing it to this day, especially being in this field now. I I sometimes often am like, what if? What if I would have known what I know now? What if I would have had Narcan on me? Whereas I carry Narcan in my car all the time now. I have two, you know, two Narcans in my car, and I'm not... I'm not in that lifestyle anymore. You know, I don't. My mom's sober. She's been sober for a very long time. Um, 
You don't really associate. Yeah, with yeah. People I'm not. I'm not in that life anymore, like I was in the past. But I still carry it with me. So I do too, because you never know when you're gonna drive by and see somebody passed out on the street. Yeah. And and because of our good Samaritan law, you can go mm-hmm. up and administer Narcan or or naloxone, and and even if they're not passed out from an overdose, mm-hmm. it's not going to hurt them. It's exactly. not going to make them sick. And they can't sue you. So, yeah. So, yeah. You know. yeah. So I I try to not beat myself up over it, but I'm human. It's hard. You know, sure. we have those like, and I thought like, what if I wouldn't have left him that, that morning? You know, well, what if yeah. I would have stayed there? Like, but then I'm thinking like, well, he would have used at some point anyways. <laughs> right. You know, if he was wanting to use, he would have used again, whether it was that morning or later that day or the next day when we weren't together or you know, he would have eventually used. Um, you just don't have, you didn't have the knowledge you have now of, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I get that you keep going back, but you, yeah. you know, though, right? Yeah. You did what you. I wish I had the knowledge, though. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I did. And it's That's human nature to say, harvest. what if, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody does that. Yeah. Do you, uh, you said your mom recovered. Mm-hmm. Do you have a relationship with her? We are in a good spot right now. So it's taken a long time, a very long time. I had lots of anger, lots of resentment, lots of like, why? But now I get it. I get it now working where I'm working and who I've seen that. You could love someone to the end of the world and the addiction doesn't care who you love. It's going to choose what it chooses. And that's not them choosing that. That's that disease choosing that. So I'm starting to heal from her, from the, you know, the trauma that we went through with that addiction and I find like I got an apology like I'm sorry if I could go back and change things I would and I think that was all it took for me to be like thank you and then I can now start processing things myself like my own feelings and just cutting her some slack because it wasn't her it was the addiction but it's like that borderline is like between hating the addiction and loving the person you know like where's that line at that a lot of people struggle with does she? Do you ever ask her why? She had a rough a rough childhood. Okay. Yeah, she was adopted. She had two older brothers who were just awful to her most of the time. Um, very conservative family. Um, she was just a rebel, you know. So she went through some situations that were really traumatic for her, and I think that eventually it just can catch up to you. And the way that you process it is different for everyone. And she went to went to the addiction, the drugs. So you do have an understanding now, mm-hmm. see? I, I mean, because yeah. you, you might not have said that before. Yeah, no. You, you know. No, I was I was mean and I was mad and I was like wanting to beat her up and fight her and kick in the door to get her out. But that wasn't, like now I know that would not have been the way. Like that wouldn't have, you know, I was always yelling, just go to treatment. Like, why are you not going to treatment? You know, like we're dragging her out the house to get her to treatment. And it's just like, no, when it came down to it, she finally succeeded. And even after that, though, it was like, God, what are you addicted to now, Mom? You know, because, yeah, she got off the crack. But then she got addicted to alcohol. And so then that addiction caused some riffraff as adults. Sure. You know, I can remember a time on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. when she was drinking some wine and she got way, way drunk and, like, tried to physically fight me and kicked us out on Christmas Eve. And, I'm, you know, I had two little kids at the time and... So it was just like one addiction after the next, but now she's in a really good place and we're in a good place that we can start to 
rebuild things because life is too short and she could have not have made it what about like your sisters do you have a good relationship with them do they have a relationship with her yeah um me, <laughs> me and my younger sister the one that's only two years younger we actually joke about it we're like we should probably get some help but we just laugh about our childhood trauma you know yeah. what we went through um and the youngest one she's now 19 so she's about to be 20 we don't really talk because she's like an only child you know she grew up like i was 18 and she's four so i'm like already out of the house by that sure. time so um and she got the best parts of my mom you know she got the sober mom she got the stable mom she got all that so she lived a little bit of a different life than us i mean the first couple years of her life were rough she doesn't but she doesn't remember yeah, yeah at that age you don't really remember much it's amazing how addiction spreads out has so many side effects or far-reaching effects to other mm -hmm. family members. It's yeah. not, because I always, you know, because when you're in your addiction, it's like, screw the rest of the world. I'm taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and my attitude, and I think it's a lot of people who are in addiction, is if I'm hurting someone, I'm hurting myself. So don't bug me about it, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, it's my living. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, that's also a big reason that addictions are is to numb the pain. You know, I'm sure she was trying to numb all the pain of stuff that she was now finally trying to process. And it was just too much to bear. Well, well then you're numbing the pain of the trauma you're causing people mm -hmm. around you <laughs> while you're trying to numb the pain of the yeah. other stuff. And it just keeps going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I am really shocked that I never fell just like, I mean, DNA, you know, addictions in my DNA. Yeah. Had an alcoholic grandpa and then, you know, my mom and boyfriends and fam and friends and like all these situations I've been in and I just never ended there. I ended on the opposite of wanting to help these, these well, you're people. You're channeling yourself in a really positive direction. Yeah. I mean, it's like. I truly feel I'm where I belong. Like I no longer wake up on Mondays and ha hate Mondays. Like I love coming to work because it's like, who am I gonna? Who am I saving today? Who am I helping like plant that seed? You know, and it's just it's so fulfilling. I'm like I hate Fridays. I just want to be at work all day long. <laughs> How many different people do you see a day? Um, uh, it just depends. But on average, probably ten. So you're talking to ten people mm -hmm. who are coming in for treatment. Yeah. And, and each one has a different story. I mean, yes. we're all so different if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, we still check the same thing. When's the last time you used that kind yeah. of stuff? But So many different stories. And I'm such a people person and I'm nosy. So I love to hear everyone's story. <laughs> like, tell me more. Tell me more. Do, do they share readily oh, yeah. with you? Well, you're yeah. easy to share with. So, yeah. 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 That's I think that's one of the things is I just make it just comfortable by being myself that they can open up. And I hold that empathetic space for them, I guess, you know, because oftentimes, and I look, I look at this in my own life too, you know, when you have a family member who is just like not getting it together. Like I have a teenage son who actually struggles with substance use as well. It's this teenage son that I had, you know, forever long You're ago. You're six months old then? <laughs> yep, yeah, he was six months old. Now he struggles with addiction too. And there's moments where I'm just like, I'm done with you. Like, I can't do this anymore. You know, and then I'm just like, no, nope. We need to just hold that that space of patience, boundaries. Boundaries is very important with him, um, and so it helps me hold space for others when they're coming in. Sure. 
and the family members too when family members come in and they're just like i can't fathom losing them and i'm like i know trust me and you can relate i yeah. know yeah. like loving an addict is the hardest thing that you will do on this planet other than being an addiction yourself and it's just because it's you don't know what to do or or where to hold that space or boundaries so in my personal life and at work i'm able to create that space for them because i think of my own my own experiences we well, are out of time thank you very much for what you do uh if if anybody is watching or listening She's the first face that you that you get to, or maybe the second or third, but but yeah. at, at admissions, at Odyssey House, and, and we're we're so lucky to have you. Thank we you. We really are, and you're an amazing person, <laughs> uh, going through what you went through, and and still and caring so much. Mm -hmm. So can I get your number so I can call you when I have problems? Mm -hmm. sort of <laughs> yeah. Treat, treat you like mom. Yeah, okay. without a doubt. See, thank you very much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for having thank, me. Thank you for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Thank you.